This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pay, your host for this podcast. You know, in recent weeks, we've discussed how God has revealed Himself in His Word. We've talked about why it's important to study the Bible, how to study, and we've talked about the importance of a seminary education. But what kind of people actually pursue a seminary education? Well, why would a busy mother of three already leading a ministry want to pursue a seminary degree? Why would a man already pastoring a church feel the need to earn a seminary degree as well? What is the message that compels these two students of Grace School of Theology to run the race to obtain the prize? Well, today you will be blessed and inspired after hearing their stories. Let's first hear from Merritt Johnston. So welcome, Merritt, to Saving Grace. Hello, glad to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you on. And congratulations are in order because I know you just recently graduated with your master's from Grace School of Theology. I did. It was one of the proudest days of my life. Very exciting day for oh. me and my family. Oh, I'll bet it was. Absolutely. And, you know, our listeners are no doubt curious. We've been talking to professors from Grace School of Theology, but we wanted to bring on students who could say, you know, why I went to the school, why it was important. So give us a little bit of background about uh, previous education and what prompted you to continue your education here at Grace. Sure. Well, I received my undergrad degree from the University of Mary Hearn Baylor, and I had felt called to the ministry as a senior in high school, but as I started pursuing my undergraduate degree, I really wrestled with what I needed to major in, if I needed to pursue something that was uh, like religion or theology, or if I needed to pursue something otherwise, and so really felt at the time that the Lord was leading me in the direction of a communications degree. So uh, that's what I pursued was a Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communications and Journalism, and then while I was there, the Lord really put upon my heart and the heart of several friends of mine to start a ministry called Sage Girls Ministry. We really wanted to tell girls the things we wish someone would have told us. Oh, yes, and so yes. uh, God started opening up opportunities for us to travel around and lead retreats and conferences with young teen girls. And as a result of that, I, I really had my eyes open to the prevalence and, and the diversity of issues that girls face. So uh, while I was at Mary Harden Baylor, I added on a psychology degree to that communications degree. That's wise. But I always had in my heart that I wanted to be able to pursue a seminary degree after I graduated. So I felt that this undergrad program that I had pursued would give me kind of a baseline of skills, both in communication and uh, just in the psychological aspect of it. Um, but then I still knew that I needed that theological training as of well. Of course, yes. Um, and after I graduated, God started opening up opportunities to serve immediately and just in the busyness of life and serving with my husband, who was a youth minister, a large part of the years following our graduation, just never had the opportunity to pursue that theological degree. So God moved our family to a little town called Brenham, Texas, where we have blue bonnets and blue bell. Mm, my and, favorite. <laughs> absolutely. And so while we were there, um, just really began talking with my husband about this need um, to pursue a theological degree. Mm. I said, I really feel like I would be a much more effective minister 
if, if I had some extra training. And I love to teach the Bible. It's what I'm most passionate about and wanted to make sure that I was presenting the, the Word of God accurately yes. and knew that I needed extra help to do that. There's Don't only so much that commentaries and things can teach you. You really sometimes need someone to take you by the hand through these passages Definitely. and equip you. So I started doing research um, for seminaries here uh, within the state of Texas and trying to find one that would work with my schedule. And my schedule was a busy one, uh, a wife and a mother. Mother and of a three. And a, yes, and a <laughs> minister. And so just really started praying through what, what can I do that will work with that schedule? I didn't want to sacrifice my ministry at home. Of course not. And so I, I was able to find Grace School of Theology. And as I started reading through what Grace believes, what Grace teaches, um, I knew that it resonated with what it was. But also just in their delivery method, the way that they deliver that education, I thought this was going to align with my family and that we wouldn't have to pick up and move to a city, you know, transplant ourselves in order for me to pursue a seminary degree that I could learn right there where we live. Yes. And as a mom of three, uh, that's a busy, busy person <laughs> on its own. So to add working on a degree, but uh, did you find that it did work well for you and your schedule? Because I think that's important for listeners who go, you know, I always wanted to pursue a degree, but I have kids and I'm busy at home. So did it really work for you? Absolutely yes. it did. I think Grace has done a great job of trying to make the education uh, both accessible and attainable. Mm -hmm. Accessible in the sense that I had the option to, to come to one of our locations mm -hmm attend class in person if I wanted or to attend online. And that's primarily what I've done uh, because what I could do is get my kids put to bed at night and then I basically take the mom hat off for a little bit and put the seminary student hat on and open up the computer and I can engage right there um, with the class and continue that, that learning that I wanted. And so I think from that perspective, Grace just did a great job of providing something for me that did align with my schedule, but also something that, that was attainable when I started researching degrees and trying to pursue a master's, it did seem overwhelming, just the yes. amount of classes and, and all of those things. And so I thought, well, you know, I need to find a place that I, I, I don't know that I can see myself 10 years from now still taking classes, you yes, know, just the right. faithfulness that that would require. So I, I needed a win a little bit earlier. And so that's been the great thing, too, about Grace is that they have the classes in these quarter type eight week modules mm -hmm. so that, again, you can work it with your family's schedule. And it's not something that, you know, if you start that you're in this process for months and months, it's something that, hey, I'm making this investment for a time period and uh, then can move on to the next course. Very doable with our day-to-day -day busy right, lives. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Very encouraging. You also mentioned that, of course, you were looking for a school that taught what you believed, what your beliefs aligned with. Uh, let's talk about that. Sure. Uh, Grace School of Theology teaches grace. Absolutely. Faith alone and Christ alone. Is that uh, the, the understanding that you had of grace from, from your early days as a Christian, or is that something that's new to you? That's a really great question. And I think I've seen quite a, a theological evolution in my own life, if you will. Uh, I grew up in a, in a church that was very conservative, and, and they definitely did not teach a, a salvation by works type approach. Um, but um, I can remember just having that kind of background of, of being taught that works were, were still important, though. They were definitely important, and, and so it kind of teetered on the edge of becoming a works-based salvation, so there was some confusion there. And so even for me, I, I can remember I was baptized at a very young age, and so as I grew older as a middle school student, a high school student, I wrestled with doubt mm. a lot. I can remember sitting in, in a youth camp 
meetings and hearing the speaker say, well, if you don't know for 100%, if you're not 100%, uh, that if you were to die tonight, and, and just asking those type of uh, kind of emotion-inducing questions and just clinching, clinching the seat and thinking, well, I don't know. I really don't know that I know. And really trying to um, ask my pastor and ask my family and ask others and really get to this place of, of uh, peace about this particular course, issue. Yes. Then I can remember going to college and there were people there that definitely brought another kind of set of, of works-oriented mentality to that, that this whole, well, you have to be able to evidence a person's salvation by their works, mm. by their fruit, that if you do not see that, then that's a red flag. And so everything that I was hearing, even though people would quote passages like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and say it's grace is a gift of God, there still always seemed to be this, but you also have to have. And so I just still continue to wrestle with that. And so I can remember in my young 20s, sitting in our home, just reading in my Bible and just coming to this passage in, in Revelation. And it talks about that our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And so coming to this place of realizing that grace truly is this gift that God has given to us, and it's not contingent upon my works, nothing that I was going to be able to do was going to make God write me in, that exactly. um, he, he absolutely had this foreknowledge that I would believe as that young child, that I would have that faith of a child. And that it was the work of the enemy to come and plant those seeds of doubt. Yes. Uh, and so anytime I would make a mistake, I would, I would just have this overwhelming sense of guilt and concern. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not evidence of a Christian type behavior. So am I really saved? And so I wrestle with that so much. And so for me, it's been a powerful thing to sit under the teaching of men and women of God who absolutely believe that grace is a free gift. And that's how good our God is, that it was nothing that I could do. It was everything that he's already done. And so for me, anytime now that I have those moments where I make mistakes, where I sin, where I stumble, I'm reminded of Corey Ten Boone has this incredible quote that not only does God cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, but he puts up a sign that says no fishing. Oh, I love that. And so I think for me, just to be able to say, hey, Satan, here's my sign, no fishing, fishing. that God's grace um, was taken care of before the foundation of the world, and it will last for all eternity. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful testimony. And I'm so uh, thankful that you've shared it because uh, that is what we all are, of what we're about and helping others to understand. And it doesn't mean we don't work. Instead, we work out of joy and out of that thankful heart, as Dave Anderson would say, not out of duty. So it's so beautiful. And so you have had this calling since high school and uh, to, to serve the Lord full time. He's prepared you over the years not only uh, with education and with family and all that that brings, and I'm sure many trials in in life because we have them all. Uh, Your passion for sharing this with, you mentioned the SAGE ministry. Yes. Passing this uh, legacy on to these young girls. Uh, What do you feel is the most refreshing and joyous information that you're going to be able to share with young women who are in a a world today, not only that's fallen, but a world that says it's all about stuff. It's all about the way you look. It's all about uh, things that are of the world. Right. So what is your message to these young girls? Sure. I think we have a generation of young women that are in an identity crisis. 
I think even those that are participating in church and attending church, the message of the media and the message of their peers is often so much louder than what they're maybe hearing at church on a Sunday or at a Bible study once a week. And so I think for us in the church, we have to be willing to not only equip moms and dads to be saying these things, but also to equip these girls to to serve one another in this way, to say, you know what, we have an identity that's based in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we can put aside this, what I call the sin of comparison, and Mm -hmm. it's something that we're guilty of even... uh, as, as we age as women, even yes. after uh, we, we go through college and we're young adult working women, then we're moms. There's all these different things, and especially in a world where we have Pinterest and other things that oh, make it so yes. easy <laughs> to compare ourselves to this standard that, mm-hmm. that is not attainable for anyone. I think it's so refreshing to be able to go back to a young woman and say, right now at, at 10, 12, 16 years old, if you can get a hold of this idea that your identity is in Christ, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that the way you started out was a beautiful fashioning of God's workmanship and who you are right now, regardless of your past mistakes, regardless of your future failures, you are loved, you are valued, and you have something to contribute to this world that you are uniquely gifted to do, that no one else can do. There's no other you on planet earth, never has been, never will be. And if they can find their identity and ground that in Christ, then all the other symptoms that we sometimes talk about with this generation, I believe that that those symptoms will start to heal themselves from the inside out, that the Holy Spirit will bring that conviction for for other areas in their life. So I think for me, the the ministry is saying, hey, we're not just going to treat symptoms. We're going to treat the root. And the root is that we need to have our identity in Christ and what he's done, who he is and what he is doing in us. Wonderful. And if our listeners want to know more about that ministry, how can they access information on Sure. Um, We'd love to have them visit our website at sageministries.org, S-A-G-E, ministries.org. And uh, we're also on social media, but would love to be able to partner with churches and just teach them and their girls in any way that we can. Merritt, I am so thankful that God called you and gave you the passion that he's given you. He's equipped you well, and he's given you life experiences that are going to cause you to be so effective in fulfilling your purpose. So thank you for sharing with our listeners, and thanks for joining us on Saving Grace. Thank you so much. Wow, what a dynamic woman of God. I pray all of the moms and young women who are listening are inspired by Merritt's story today. And now let's hear from a pastor serving in the inner city of Houston, David Hill. Well, welcome, David, to Saving Grace. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, here at Grace, we love to talk to students uh, of Grace School Theology to find out, you know, how the Lord drew them first to just the issue of grace in their life and the doctrine of grace and particularly that faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about how that came about for you in understanding God's grace in your life. You know, I was like a lot of uh, people who grew up in church uh, and I found myself on the campus of Texas Southern University. Um, and I knew that the life that I was living at the time was not the life that I had learned about and I had been raised up in. But like a lot of young adults, I was on college campus, so I was trying, doing lots of different things. And really, uh, I walked into a Bible study one day, and there was a gentleman who was ministering there, a young guy my age. Mm -hmm. And he said something that really changed my life. Uh, And what he said at the time was, is, is that if you're... Uh, if you're a young, well, he didn't say, he said, brother, that's the way we talk to each other. But he said, if you're a brother in this room today and you are living 
uh, an immoral lifestyle, you're having sex outside of marriage, you're the reason why our culture is in the state that it's in. Mm -hmm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I thought up until that point that I was um, I was a good guy. I was I was I was you know okay. You know I was in school. I wasn't selling drugs. Yeah. It's one of the good guys. But for the first time in a long time, I found myself on God's scales and not my own. And I realized that I was lacking. Mm -hmm. But what I also realized was that God's grace was sufficient to make up the rest. And it was at that moment that I said, you know what? I'm not going to play around anymore. This, mm -hmm. this life belongs to you, Lord. And whatever I need to do to please you. If you if you if you can remember this one thing, you know my deficiencies, you know my weaknesses. If you'll have me, mm -hmm. and you'll give me the grace that you say that you provide, then I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And that's really where it started for me. Wow, that's how it started for me. And he hasn't let you down. He has not let me down. His grace has been there for me, and it has been needed over and over. Now let me ask you this: There are those who would say, "Well, when you've surrendered your life to the Lord, uh, boy, that sounds like bondage. Uh, have you experienced bondage or freedom? What does that feel like for you? You know, it was one of those deals where you know, and it's it's how the enemy a lot of times, you know, will will paint it in our own hearts and minds is that. Yes, once I do this, good riddance to the I mean, you know, so long, good life. Here I go off to, you know, to the to the to the gulags. But God has shown me over and over and over. The best thing I could have done, and it's what I share with people, the best thing you could ever do is give yourself to the one who created you. Because mm -hmm. he knows what to do and he knows yeah. what his plan is for your life. And and all the things that I had planned and all the things that I would have thought would have brought me happiness and joy and success. When I gave him complete control and when I trusted him with every area of my life, he has, he has repeatedly shown me that his ways, I could never have imagined. I could never have imagined. It's pure joy, and, and, uh, and I try to share that with people all the time. Uh, and I'm sure that you do. I, I wonder, uh, you know, you think about God's plan for our lives, mm -hmm. and, and so oftentimes we'll say, well, you know, Wow, I, I, Lord, just don't send me overseas. Right. Just don't do this or that. Uh, but the Lord uh, sent you to the inner city of Houston, Texas. Yes. Uh, yes. Tell us about that that sense of calling from the Lord that placed you there, and for what purpose? Yeah. So uh, when I was in school, I, like I said, I, I, when I uh, gave my heart to Christ then, and I began to get involved in community ministry from that point. Well, I was a single college student, so, it, you know, it was the right, you know, it felt good. It was an exciting time. Well, I graduated and then shortly got married. And so I kind of told the Lord at that time, well, you know, that was a wonderful part of my life, and I'm glad to be done with that. But now I got to go become a grown adult and mm -hmm. get a mortgage and get a job. And that's the first time God tapped me and said, no, I, I want to do something else with your life. Mm -hmm. And we wrestled about that, but I surrendered again, and, and, and God began to show me that I want you to be involved in ministry. And so I left Houston and I was in Chicago, Jackson, Mississippi, and Atlanta. And in each and every one of those areas, I was involved in urban ministry. Yes. And I kept asking the Lord, God, I don't mind. I'm, I'm excited to do ministry, but why am I always in the hood? You know, what's this always in this context? And that's, and that's when God, God began to show me that because this is what I'm preparing you for. This is what I'm calling you to. And so coming back to Houston with a family, um, you know, that's when I really had, and really the last meeting, I, I should say the last confirmation I had with the Lord was we wrestled and wrestled. 
And I just kept saying, but Lord, I don't mind doing this, but my kids didn't sign up for this. The schools are bad. The neighborhoods are dangerous. The Lord finally told me, he said, David, they're not your kids. Oh, wow. They're mine. And if you care about them that much, what makes you think I want to put them? I'm their father. Why would I put them in harm's way? Mm -hmm. You just do what I've called you to do, and I will take care of the rest. And that, that just freed me up to do what he had called me to do. And I've trusted him with them and with everything, you know, since. And uh, and so it was tough. It was yes. tough, though. And especially, honestly, I'll tell you, as an African-American, um, my family is only a, a, a generation or two removed uh, from some of the issues that plague a lot of African-Americans in this country. And so education and success and prosperity, only a generation or two removed from when those things were denied. Mm -hmm. So to go to your family and say, you've gone to college, you've gotten a degree, but you're going back to the very areas that we've all tried to move on from was very perplexing to them, very confusing wow. to them. It's like, why would you do that? Because, because God, God wanted you to take that real message of freedom. Of freedom. That's, that's right. That was it. That's, that's the only thing I could tell them was this is what yes. I know this is what the Lord has said. Wow. I know it doesn't make sense. I can't make sense of it. Um, but I know it's what he said. And what a testimony for your children, David, yeah. to know that dad would take this step of faith, a risky step of faith, yeah. trusting totally in God. And I, I, I have no doubt because I know our God yeah. that, that he, he has, has been, been faithful, faithful. Yes. all along the way. All the way. What a testimony for them uh, to see, to build their faith, to grow their character yeah. in him. And that's what me and my wife, that's, that's what we pray all the time, that God, that you, that they will have had a real experience, you yes. know, with the Lord. Yes. Not just from my sermons or not just from Bible study, but, but our hope is that they've been able to see it and yes. absorb that and see it firsthand. And so now, obviously, God has placed you there because he wants you to influence that community. Yeah. He wants you to make an impact for him, mm -hmm. not for you, but for him. And and so you during this time, uh, you felt the need to go to seminary. Tell yes. us about that. Well, you know, we had already once I realized that, you know, we were going to plant a church. Mm -hmm. um, matter of fact, I was at a conference. And the seminary thing just began, I, you know, I been, began hearing about it, began talking with some people about it, and everybody kept saying, well, man, you need to do that. That's something you need to do. I struggled because I was like, well, I'm already doing this work and yeah. seem to be doing all right by my, you know, <laughs> my standards. But the more I talked with people, the more they began to tell me, you really need to look into that if you're going to be in ministry full time and you're going to plan a church. And so I was at a conference, and uh, Grace had a had a had stand there. Mm -hmm. And so I began talking with the young lady and, uh, and it really intrigued me. And it, and it really, it really seemed like this was doable for me. I, I can, yeah. I, I think, I think this may be the place for me. Uh, doable in that it worked out for your schedule. Yep. Doing that, it worked out. So I had small children mm -hmm. at the time, um, right. and, you know, young children. So I was concerned about being away, leaving my wife, sure. um, there, um, financially. Yeah. Uh, it was a, that was, that was a, that was probably <laughs> the biggest thing. It would be frivolous, actually. It was the biggest one. But yeah, financially, time-wise, and but in, but in also there just seemed to be something about grace that appealed to me as a practitioner, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, that I was that they were willing to work with you while you were already, and there seemed to be other people who were already doing the what God had called them to do. Yes. And so being able to see that. And I'm like, okay, that's where I am. Wow. 
this is a good fit for me. And so where are you in your seminary work and, and how, what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, so I am, uh, I'm halfway through a master's of ministry. Outstanding. Outstanding. Halfway, halfway through. through. And uh, that experience has been, uh, it's been outstanding. It has really um, challenged me and uh, caused me to look uh, in ways I never would have before. Um, the encouragement has been off the charts. Um, there have been days when I thought, you know, man, this might, this is tough. Um, but the encouragement has been outstanding. Uh, and the relationships have been good, too. The relationships have really been good. That's awesome. Well, again, let's go back now to where God has placed you. Uh I, I have no doubt. I can just see in your eyes how the, the Lord just radiates from you. How tell us tell us some stories. What are yeah. some of the people that have been impacted there uh, by God's grace? Yeah. yeah, I tell you one of the things I am most proud of because we are built on kind of four core values: the resurrection of Christ, the reconciliation of races, yes. Um, yes. the restoration of the family, and the rebuilding of community. Oh, those are our those are our pillars. And uh, I am so excited. You know, God won. Every year that we have been in existence, we have had a marriage in our community that our church, either from our church or that we've been able to facilitate in the community. And, and even some of those we've been able to do in the community, outside at a community garden in our area. A wedding. A wedding. An actual wedding. And some people might, and some people, when I tell them that, they're like, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, when 72% of African-American children are born out of wedlock, oh. that's, that's a huge, huge deal, deal for us. Wow. That's a huge deal for us that people in our community would be, and, 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 I, and I would dare say that over 80% of our community is not married. Um, and me and my wife are very rarity mm-hmm. for uh, the kids in my community. What, what an, an example, example you're setting, setting for them. And, and, so, and what we want to do is permeate, we want to reproduce that. And so every year when we have a marriage from somebody in our church or somebody in the community, it just speaks to that restoration that yes, we does. feel we feel God, God's called us to. Um, in our church, we've had um, felons who've been released from prison. Um, and matter of fact, one of the first marriages we had was a, a, a young man who came back to our community from prison after 15 years mm-hmm. and wanted to turn his life around, did not want to go back to what he had been a part of. Yeah. He, is, he was married. We were able to marry him with a young lady he met in our community, um, help him find a job. He is one of the core members of our church, and he is in the discipleship process and growing and being challenged and, and challenging us, you know, in ways. Um, just stories like that where we've seen God restore and rebuild. Um, and not just them, but he's done a work in us through them. Oh, of course. He's done a work in us through them. I think about here the, the wedding example, and, and you know, uh, the, a wedding is to be a public yes. demonstration of your covenant before God. Right. to this woman for life That's or this right. man for life. Uh, so what a beautiful symbol. And, and as you present that publicly to this community of how important how it, is. it is, not only to God, but to one another. And that's why we're so excited about it. And we're always excited about these families coming together mm. and people coming back to the understanding that 
This is not a state mandate. This is a God mandate. Yes. This is what yeah. pleases the Lord yes. and, and helping them to understand that. Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we're always excited about that. Always excited about that. You know, David, we all have baggage and we all have been places we're not proud of in yes. our lives. And, and, and yet you're in a situation where you're in the midst of them carrying their baggage mm-hmm. and, and dealing with what to do with it. And uh, I can just imagine the, the wounded hearts the broken spirits that are there. Yeah. Uh, what kind of, of, of ministry outreach are you able mm-hmm. to do with, with the means that you have yeah. uh, to, to help address some of those? I think of, I think of the, the addicted. Yeah. Uh, I think of the abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, quite honestly, you know, and that's why God designed, and that's, we, we were talking earlier about yeah. trusting him and he knows what he's doing. Yes. And I think that's exactly why he has set us up in the way he has, because a lot of our ministry, it happens in the living room, mm-hmm. in the kitchen, or um, in the yard, sure. uh, <laughs> you know, as we're doing other tasks, yeah. because pe- we found we've had to meet people right where they are, yeah. and uh, and so there may uh, there may be a knock on the door. Sometimes I got one this morning at seven thirty in the morning. Oh. Uh, sometimes it's late at night. Uh, sometimes it's a phone call to to sit and be with them and to talk with them and minister to them and what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I, my wife is such a beautiful illustration of this. Um, there are mothers who have children, and she has a strong passion for for motherhood and children, and she spends countless hours with them. Helping mothers understand how they are to raise their children. Oh, how, beautiful. Yes. Titus Timon. Yes. yes. And, and I, I just love watching her do that. Whether And she she gets up in the morning. Sometimes these mothers don't have transportation to get their kids to school. And so their kids will they'll be on the verge of having to repeat. If they miss it, she'll get up and help ride with them to school mm-hmm. and then minister to them along the way and to that mom on the way back home. Mm-hmm. And just, just countless things like that, but allowing people to come over and see how we raise our family. Yes. And and that means the good and the bad. Of course. Of course. That, that means... <laughs> we get to see the, the kids fighting the, the, right. right. the, the, the whole thing. So it's really just about us opening up our lives and living with them and, and getting them to do the same. And then we explain to them, here's why we do this. Here's how me and my life, why wife get along. We do have arguments. We do have fights. Yeah. But here's how we resolve them and here's mm-hmm. how we're how God's called us to live. And so yes. a lot of it is spent, you know, just kind of doing life together. Right. Um, but not not in a not in a in a in a in a way that excludes Christ, but where he's the center of it. Mm-hmm. He's the center of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And he has to remain the center of your mm-hmm. marriage, doesn't he? Yes. In order for you and your wife to stay effective in your community. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, uh, kind of to hold each other accountable, I guess. Yes, uh, yes, yes. We we and I thank God for my wife, yes. you know, all the time. She's a wonderful woman of God. Uh, and she has definitely helped me with that. She helps me stay balanced. Um, she is she is she is the Holy Spirit in our house. There's no uh, question about that. I love it. Okay, so just in our, our closing moments, you know, there are probably those listening who are going, yeah, well, you know, I've graduated from college or I've, or I've graduated high school and I have a, a ministry that I'm doing, but I'm not sure that I need seminary education. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage them? It, it, do you think it's, it's helpful for anyone that, that would pursue it? It, it, uh, it is. It is because um, we all, we, there's always more to know. I have come to find out, and there are there are ways and things that I had that I thought one way about, yeah. but it wasn't until 
something else was introduced and I was challenged mm. and I and I had to dig and I was encouraged to research and encouraged to write out that it made me look and think differently um, and and even beyond that there's the, the relationships that I've experienced in seminary the conversations that I've been able to have with other young pastors and other young men who are in ministry and we can sit and go back and forth and talk about well, what did, how did you receive this? How did you mm -hmm. hear that? Mm -hmm. How does this played out in your context? It, just all and just the relationships and having that camaraderie in and of itself has been a wonderful, yeah. wonderful thing. And, and but I could I'd be remiss if I said the instruction and the instructors. Um, those were relationships that I hope to have a lifetime. Oh, I'm sure you will. Those are relationships I hope to have a lifetime because they have picked me up in my lowest. Mm. They picked me up in my lowest. I'll be honest with you. Oh, well, God bless you for answering God's call to being yeah, obedient to Him. And I pray He continues to bless you richly and what you're doing, uh, His work, where He's placed you, and that your family will be blessed as a result. Thank you for joining us, Amen. David. Thank, Thank you for having me. Having me. Uh -huh. Thank you so much. God bless. Amen. Amen. We are excited about the ministry of David Hill. As a matter of fact, we visited his ministry and have a great video to share with you as well. And while you're there, you can also check out other incredible stories. Go to gsot.edu slash stories. That's gsot.edu slash stories. Check it out. Thanks again to both Merritt Johnston and David Hill. We hope today's discussion has opened your eyes to the opportunities that await those who desire to know God more intimately and to share His love and light in this dark world. We'd love to get your feedback. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. Email your questions or your comments to saving_grace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at SavingGraceCast. Perhaps God is calling you to continue your education through Grace School of Theology or to prayerfully and financially support others who do. Be sure to visit our website for details. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to like us on iTunes and write a review. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.